Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone, it is the Red Men Podcast, it is Tuesday and we've got our returning hero, well back from oh, back from wandering lovely. the Scottish Isles right. yeah. and finding himself again. He's in my good books because he brought me a huge black pudding. Yeah, and... Um, I didn't get a bottle of one, thanks. It's alright, it's fine. It can last. Yeah. Okay. You passed me. You passed me a coaster for me too, without even asking. Without me asking. It's just, this is why I'm here. It's just a good man. Yeah, just a very good man. Um, yeah, welcome back, Ross Chandley, uh, and welcome back, Chris Pajak as well. Hi, Chris. Oh, nice. You haven't really been anywhere, but it's just nice oh, to no. nice to see you. Unless you count the two day hangover, in which case I wasn't really here. Yeah, I know you were. Five. You were here in body, but not really in spirit yesterday. Yeah, it was it was a struggle. That um, don't drink, don't drink bubbles, prosecco, carve. Just it's just not a good mix for me. I'd say that. What was the like, occasion? What, um, what is a good mix, Chris? In that sort of volume. Well, I think my problem is I drink the same speed whatever I'm drinking. Mm. So, like, anything that's lager-based, I still get a mess, but I last a lot longer. Yeah. Whereas if I'm drinking at the speed of a pint with, like, Prosecco and Carver and Champagne and stuff, then that's when I really end up in trouble. Yeah. And I did. Well, in. And we're just, just for clarity, where were you? Uh, golden wedding anniversary, afternoon <laughs> tea. Oh! <laughs> 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 That's standard. How many of the sandwiches that you made did you eat? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Or maybe not. No, I definitely not. Okay. To soak up the bubbles. Yeah, okay. okay. Sure, sure. Um, right, yeah, we're going to be talking about Liverpool's finances. So Swiss Ramble, uh, one of the one of the most interesting Twitter accounts going, has done a thread on Liverpool's finances off the back of the, the transfer window. And because there's no footy, so we're stuck in this horrendous mire of still talking about this when really... Liverpool just playing football and winning football matches would make everyone feel a little better about all these things. Uh, we're going to do it because it is interesting. Uh, we had a couple of kickoff questions we're going to get to uh, in a minute, but I just want to draw everyone's attention um, to something that Ross has had a couple of weeks off, a week off from this. Uh, but we've been nominating three categories in the FCAs. Uh, there is a pinned tweet uh, at the Redman TV right now. Uh, what you can do is the tweet underneath it. Um, you can just copy and paste that. So it says, "I'm voting uh, for the Redman TV in the FCAs." But hashtag best in video hash Hashtag best content creator and uh, the RNTV women's pod is up for the uh, best in women's football as well. So basically, um, all you have to do is uh, go on there and copy and paste that. And uh, yeah, just to, just to clarify as well, so the only channel where you can't talk about FSG or they block you altogether. Oh. Um, right, so yeah, it's not it's not true. You can definitely talk about it, but if you if you're a knobhead, then you will get blocked absolutely. Uh, but yeah, both for us in that, we're up against Arsenal fan TV, and that's always a bit of a, an uphill battle. Um, so yeah, both for us to win and Ross to keep his job. Um, so, uh, kickoff questions come from Half Space Eight Sport related. Mm. 
Uh, how do you think the squad will be rotated between Champions League and Premier League games over the next three weeks? I think this is a, this is really interesting, and we had this. We got a little inkling uh, in the Chelsea game as to sort of Klopp's thinking, Chris, you know, the fact that Elliot starts in that game tells you that he's not just there to make the numbers up. He thinks he's a major part of the squad. We've still not seen Gomez yet. We've not seen Canate yet. Thiago's being eased back in. Henderson's been used probably slightly more than he would have liked. Um, how do you think he's going to do it? Because that's going to tell a lot about what Klopp's plans for the seasons are. I... I, I... If you base it on previous seasons, he kind of puts a bit of a second string out in the Champions League games. Um, I think the Premier League's still going to be the priority, but I don't see it being so much of like a second string in the Champions League games. I think it's going to be stronger in the Champions League games than what we've seen in previous years. I think you're still going to make changes. I think you might see a Gomez and, uh, for example, a Canate playing together mm-hmm. if he feels confident enough that they're going to be good enough together. Um I, I, I'm, I think you're going to see Chimacas certainly involved in, in one of those games, be it the Premier League, be it the Champions League. I'm not sure you see Nico, but it wouldn't shock me to see him in one of the Champions League games. It really depends on that first result in the Champions League, doesn't it? I yep. think he goes slightly stronger in that one and then weighs the competition based on how well you do against him. I, I've got the fixtures here, Ross, just to give a little bit of context. This obviously we play Leeds on Sunday, AC Milan's midweek, followed by Crystal Palace. So in terms of what Chris is saying there... You can understand that Milan. I don't, I don't really know how to gauge Milan to be honest, because in my head they're still the best Italian side, <laughs> but they've very much not been that for a long time. They, um, but with Crystal Palace, not like Crystal Palace are any, any you know, easy, but Crystal Palace at home, you would imagine the preference would be placed on Milan over there. Yeah, I find it difficult to separate what I do and what Klopp would do because like, my imagination every time in the Champions League is to go all out, win, win your first four games, and then you've got two dead rubbers, and that never happens in Liverpool. But it's always the last game that we, we we need something. But you know, I don't know how to gauge AC Milan, but also I want us to start strongly in the Champions League and, and put a, a start down but it might affect of, you know, if we don't beat Leeds does that mean we, we go stronger than we wanted to against Crystal Palace to get to more points on the board who's available like I was just catching up this morning with like what's going on with Naby Keita but the tackies in all these like some of these players that the condition that they come back in and it also I don't think there's I don't think there's a set way I think you're right some of those fringe players bringing them in we might depend on like well Thiago's playing well so playing while he's, while he's fit and available or the same for Joe Matter we always say that he's fit and available Playing, you might be hesitant to play him you know, twice a week or whatever, but you might not have an option. And then if he does get injured, well, for the next set of fixtures, you've then got Canati and Gomez. And I don't, need. I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as a Chris as. Right, here's the Champions League squad now and here's the Premier League squad. It's going to be situation, situationally determined. So he probably will go stronger for Milan. You know, if you had to preference the two, but then you're a little bit further down. We played, we got Brentford on the 25th, followed by Porto in midweek, and then followed by Man City at the weekend. That's the week where he goes probably slightly, slightly weaker in the Champions League, but make sure he's 100 percent because he will. He'll have to have everything ready for the Man City. Game. Yeah, he does. And, and look, you've got to also have the, the the players that haven't really been massively involved. You've got to get them up to speed quickly because you are going to be playing two games a week, so you need to get them involved as early as you can. To be honest with you, so whether that be Leeds, whether it be Crystal Palace, if you are going to go strong in, in against AC Milan, I expect the lights of Thiago, I expect Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to feature in one of these games. Um, 
I've already mentioned the defenders. I don't think you're touching the goalkeeper unless you have to, but it wouldn't it wouldn't really surprise me if he did throw Kelleher in for one of those games. Not not a Premier League game, maybe the Porto game, something like that, I'm not sure. I mean, you've got the League Cup game there against Norwich coming up as well, so I, th- I would imagine Kelleher will get that unless he's done something, in which case it'll be, you know, that'll be fun. Um, more social media around it than, any, than anything else, but that, that might... Dic- I mean, where's Kate Jones fit into all of this? Yeah. Not even a player that we've mentioned. He was a, a regular in the first team last year. And, you know, obviously you mentioned Tacky and stuff like that. So you're not sure 100% where, where he's going to be involved and stuff. But James Milner as well, you can chuck in that. It's, it's, it's a, the pleasure of, of having a squad and being able to use it and kind of pick and choose. And what was last season? Just just a mess. He's got a squad for a reason. He's, he's, got, he's got to use it. Mm, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think it's a really interesting question. And at, the, at this point in the season, is the answer is we don't know. And because... He does preference the Premier League because you can't afford to drop points in the Premier League, but you can in the Champions League. Now, obviously, we all say you want to go out there and win your first four, but it's a group stage. I think we forget this every single time we come to it. We overreact at how important it is. Now, it's it's very useful, particularly because of Atletico. What you want to do is go to, go to play Atletico Madrid with six points on the board already, and I'm sure that will be in the mind. But he'll think, and again, Jürgen Kopp thinks of this squad differently to how I think we do at times. I think we... Well, look at the way that you played Jota last season in a dead rubber game. Yeah, You know, we you just said yeah. them a minute ago, you want them to be dead rubber. Well, Jürgen didn't. Like not that he didn't want them to be dead rubber, but he didn't use the squad the way you'd expect the manager to use a squad in a dead rubber because he's not thinking about the next game. He's thinking about the next five, six games and that last Champions League game. Yeah, you go to two games a week in the Premier League and stuff. So you've still got to balance your squad even if they are dead rubber games. Yeah, you want to get to the point where where, it, where Liverpool comes strong now is in December because that's when everyone else plays two games a week and Liverpool are just used to it by that point and they've got a squad of people capable of doing it and that's where we fell down last year is because our injuries were so bad that we didn't get to rotate properly through December that's Kurt Jones plays like every game in, in, in that run we haven't got the midfield options or the defensive options to do things fingers crossed we have now obviously we know Minamino's injured at the moment which is not, not great news Harvey Elliott picked up a knock but I think he had that prior to going away so there's the hopeful apparently he'll be back but yeah fascinating really interesting question Bobby, there. Still as well, Bobby yeah well yeah we think so but I don't I, think yeah, anything's think was, been announced on Firmino has it yeah they've kept that one there was all those rumours that it was like it was ages and then the, the word was the word on the great fan was it was Two to three. Yeah, it was not. It was nowhere near as bad as, as was kind of being um, being mentioned. Um, the Haspace actually just said, actually, no non-sport related question. Favorite place you visited abroad for non-football related trips? I don't. I don't really have too many non-football related trips th- these days. But it's Disneyland, isn't it? Disneyland. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's amazing. I went, went twice when I was a kid, and I think I went again when I was eighteen, and I equally just turned into a big kid again. It's like you just. Separated from everything, there's all the Star Wars stuff, man. I love it, yeah. Yeah, Universal so, Studios. Yeah, it's a fucking box. In the Amer- yeah. in America, all the food as well. The food's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Chris, um, it's it's probably Berlin. I really like Berlin. Like it's a, it's a quality city. I went there for a stag do as well for my brother's uh, stag do. So that was a belter of a weekend, and it's just a really cool place. Yeah, yeah. like Germany. Belter. Um, Kedar Janowade uh, with another one says, "Would you rather live in a world where Gerard didn't slip against Chelsea and we win the league in thirteen fourteen, keep Suarez, but then give Rodgers a new can- contract and miss out on signing Klopp, or stick with the current version?" And he says, "Too much Marvel. What if for me? Yeah, I mean anyone who watched." And I won't, no spoilers, but the most recent Marvel What If. This could be an example of that kind of universe. Um, Chris, 
I'm very much I'm very much a man that thinks that you know every step that you've taken gets you to where you are today. So I wouldn't change the past because I like kind of like where where I'm at. But that's a tantalising thing, you know. Maybe a world where Gerard gets yeah, you know, Gerard gets that league title. We get another season out of Suarez. Yeah, um, if we keep Suarez, we win the league when Leicester does. Yeah, because everyone was shit that year. <laughs> <laughs> and Suarez would have won that league, so we might have had the same as Manchester United already. Um, That's a good point. So we wouldn't miss Klopp necessarily <laughs> because we wouldn't know we would have known we'd missed them. Yeah, but we're probably not winning the Club World Cup or the Champions League because I don't think Rodgers is anywhere near as good as as Jurgen Klopp. So and also, you know, it was. It's, that house was built of glass, really, wasn't it? It wasn't a particularly stable house, whereas Klopp has built us into a bit of a force. So I'm sticking Suarez with Suarez on got. the bench at the Bernabeu the next season. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of mine, we're doing warm-ups with Glenn Johnson, Raheem Sterling and Stephen Gerrard and Phil Coutinho. I just, I, but there is a little side of me that goes, I'd just like to live in any world where Gerrard didn't slip. Yeah. Because I just feel so sorry for Stephen Gerrard and the fact that he would have got the Premier League and he would have captained the side to a Premier League is a really nice thing, but yeah, I'm sorry, I, I like Jürgen too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't care if it's Stephen Gerrard's happiness, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's fine. He's no, fine. he's fine, he's fine. It's, 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 it's short-term success for long-term pain under Rodgers if you're doing that. I yeah. like I like who we are and where we are now. Yeah. Taking that, it's pretty yeah. easy for me. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Because it's a, your point, Chris, I feel the same way about that, is that we burned shortly but brightly under Brendan Rodgers, but there was no sense that that was like... Yeah. Well, he was just—he wasn't very good at the transfers, <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest. And Liverpool had a lot of turmoil behind the scenes that doesn't wouldn't have been fixed. All that would have happened was Brendan Rodgers would have got more power, and then had more length of rope with which to hang himself in more spectacular fashion further down, further down the way. And there's a chance that, meanwhile, Jurgen Klopp ends up at like. Arsenal or Chelsea or Spurs or something, and now and then all of a sudden, having had a few years with Suarez, at which point he probably decides he still wants to move on anyway. You're then fighting a Jurgen Klopp team and being really jealous, looking at him and all the things they they've got going on for them. So, no, I I I I just yeah, I'd I'd give it to Gerard as long as I could not know, you know what I mean, not know what I'd lost. You know, you know, you know, like yeah. like Martin McFly coming back yeah. and re- like realizing the world's changed, but he remembers what it was like beforehand. I want if I could do that, it's all in one way or the other because I never know what 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 could have been. We'd also have got to experience, you know, seeing them lift the Premier League in front of us. Yeah, which would have been really yeah. nice. There's also a chance Suarez bites someone else and gets a lifetime ban from football, and then yeah. that's uh, that, that's that. So yeah, um, right. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Swiss Ramble uh, finances for the moment. But Connor S has sent a super chat and said, "Thanks for doing this, lads. Can understand the disappointment. Can't handle the conspiracies. Everyone loves a good conspiracy, don't they? Especially at all times around Liverpool and their owners." Um, Did yes. you get the check from John? No, no, still not gone. No, on. no, he just slung it into me PayPal um, <laughs> instead. What's the paying currency conversion fees, uh, mate? Whatever. Listen, <laughs> that, listen. You don't go to your paymasters and say, "Excuse me, can you pay me?" You know, you, you just he you take be sending it. friends and family, shouldn't he? So no one gets charged. You just take what you're given when when they come to you with that kind of stuff. Like you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big enough or strong enough character to uh, to, to step up against that. Um, right? Yes, we are going to be talking about that in a very brief moment, but uh, we. I've got a Jordan Henderson book and DVD available right now. Uh, let's have a little look at that. Hello, everyone. We have just released a fresh batch of author-signed editions of Hendo 
10 Years of Red, our limited edition commemorative Jordan Henderson book. The first two runs of those sold out pretty quickly, uh, so we decided to do one more batch, but make sure you get them quick because they are flying out the doors at the moment. A perfect gift for a Liverpool fan in your life, or, you know, just treat yourself. Um, their book is incredible. We're very, very proud of it. Incredible cover artwork and interior artwork by Yoni Weisberg, some of the best artists as well on the Liverpool scene of all contributed great Jordan Henderson unique pieces to it. There's in-depth articles, features, memories, photos, and a hell of a lot more as well. Get your Jordan Henderson 10 Years of Red book right now at redmenmerch.com. Cheers. Yeah, that is available at redmanmerch.com. And as a hint at before, we've got a DVD of our three-part documentary series as well, which is also on there. So if you want to start gearing up towards Christmas, I know, I know, I know. I mean, you can go in and buy a chocolate Santa Claus in, in, in Tesco's, which I always think is a bit weird and wrong. But there are some people who are hardwired to get prepared early. And for those people, I'm talking to those people. I don't mean you need to fundamentally change your character because I'm not doing my Christmas shop until... October. Um, so, but if you if you're that way inclined, then you can get your Christmas presents box there in terms of the DVD and the book and mugs and also an amazing array of t-shirts as well and other stuff at redmanmerch.com. Um, yes, the Swiss Ramble delve into Liverpool's finances. Um, he put this thread out. Now, the Swiss Ramble guy does this all the time. He's done a number of Liverpool threads over the years, and they always end up being a good discussion point in the office when they do. He does other clubs. One thing I thought was fascinating, which pointed to the, the absolute state of the Liverpool's uh, online sort of angst community, um, is that he had to put a tweet out pretty much straight afterwards saying that he was blocking people who were being dickheads. And he'd never blocked people before. Yeah, never blocked people before, but I've put a thread out about explaining Liverpool's finances and now he's having to block people. Um, I mean, I, I think we can all appreciate the situation <laughs> that he's in. Oh, yeah. Fair play to him. To I, yeah. It's, it's, a, it, it, it's a hellhole. I, I, I put a tweet out before I went away and accidentally became founder and leader of Middle Reds before I went away and it's like <laughs> what the hell's it oh, uh, so, no, I, I don't even know what a top red is I, I know but it's like it comes from both angles and, and to his point of the reason why he did it obviously he's put all this really hard work in and people are making assumptions about reading what the work he's done them, them firing abuse and that's part of the problem of like it's I don't care if someone doesn't like the owners or they, or they kind of want them out or they don't agree with what, what he's put but no one's had have the conversation anymore I know what the language that's used is like, I don't mean terms of swearing, it's like how people approach a conversation. It's just wrong because someone might say something to you and you get your back up about it. It's not like, you know, I'd like Liverpool to sign another midfielder rather than why haven't we signed anyone or like they're fucking paying your wages. Like you're not going to engage. I, I've you're not, not spoken engage to with that. anybody who didn't want to sign I, I, at least two players this yeah. summer. <laughs> like <laughs> literally nobody. Yeah. But the way that some of us are being portrayed is just mental. Yeah. Do you know that I want to tweet it us and then I reached the reply and went, yeah, I agree. What, what do we do now? And it's like, oh, sound. It's like, it's having a go at us. Like, oh, yeah, it's madness, isn't it, to be honest yeah, with you? Yeah, but you, well, you, have, you have this, and I did a big chat with this uh, about this with Neil Jones last week, about you end up with this, the people, the, this rises up and then this rises up to meet it, and the truth is that both are just a bit over the top. And I've had this with football players, like, I found myself doing this last season in our little Redmen family WhatsApp group over Ozan Kabak, because there was a couple of lads in there, it was Steve, Steve. Um, yeah. who was slaughtering Kabak. And I was like, and I was defending him, and I, I was like, after like a couple of replies, like, I, I really don't care. don't care enough about him to be doing this, but I just won't hear 
like really I just can't be arsed but I had the same with you last season with Nat Phillips I thought you were just being really sly on Nat Phillips for like three months between sort of December to February and I was like defending and I'm like I think he's good I really do think he's good, but I don't think he's the best centre half in the world. Yeah. And yet you'd hear me talk sometimes, yeah. and I would be because I'm just annoyed with your opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's where we got, we got with this. But again, it's just it's just really for the vast majority of exist in this realm where we turn social media on for, just to see what's going on in the world for a bit of escapism. You're getting drawn into this like pitched battle, this imaginary pitched battle with with digital slings and arrows. Um, and this guy has unwittingly just walked through. He's taken it. He's gone. Oh, well, let's do something about mm, Liverpool this week. <laughs> yes. And he's opened this door. He's, and he's walked in with this fresh pile of information. He's like, ah, 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 getting nailed from it's both Christmas sides. Day. He's walked into no man's land in the middle of World War Two, and he's taken the football. And everyone's gone, fucking you, yeah. bang. Yeah, honestly, like it. I feel so sorry for him. But look, we'll, we'll, let's get into it in terms of what he's done. Um, if you haven't seen this, we'll put the link in the description underneath. You can just go to at Swiss Ramble um, on Twitter and what have you. And I've got I've got it up here for the for the video viewers on the podcast, so we can kind of scan through a couple of bits and pieces. But Chris, having scanned through it, what was your sort of key or key takeaways from it? Liverpool are run differently to the other big clubs. Yeah, that's the main difference, isn't it? You know, you can see that, and it's borne out over the entire thread of just how differently Liverpool are run. And you know, when you when you think back to what FSG said when they first came into the football club about making it self-sustaining, that kind of shows in the accounts. And Liverpool are self-sustaining. Um, you just have to look at the amount of debt that's been run up by other football clubs compared to Liverpool to understand that. So I think that for me, it's really encouraging because there are a lot of things where the commercial side of things have grown and we've closed the gap on Manchester United and stuff like that. And it seems to be the big difference is how they've leveraged more money. The other clubs compared to Liverpool not leveraging more money. And so I can kind of, I can kind of understand where the people who are... Uh, very much FSG out are now coming from because they're looking at it and they're going, well, they're leveraging debt. I get that. And, and the owners aren't putting bags full of money in. So that would annoy me. Like I, I think Liverpool would be in a much stronger situation if the owners were putting more money in. But that's not to say that I can't also see that Liverpool being a good business and being ran really well actually allays a lot of my fears from 11, 12 years ago when we nearly hit the wall. Yeah. Um, because... You just have to look at what's going on with Barcelona and Real Madrid to know that that model, quite frankly, is largely unsustainable for a lot of football clubs. Even Barcelona and Real Madrid is unsustainable. I'm not sure it's unsustainable for Manchester United because the revenues are so high, but Barcelona and Real Madrid revenues are so high and it's just been ran absolutely terribly. So what it's actually done... He's probably opened my eyes a bit more to that side of things because I'm, I'm looking, I'm reading the words, and I'm thinking, well, why haven't they put more money in and all that? And I understand the reasons why, but yeah, that's the big difference and the big takeaway for me. Yeah, I, I think this season was just a, it felt like an opportunity for for Liverpool. Like, and I get I mean, in most play, in most cases, people have been hit by COVID and you know kind of paying out. And Liverpool's match day revenue, I think, is, is is in the top three with, with some of the. You know, I think it's Arsenal, uh, Manchester United, and them in terms of what they've lost. But it just felt like all summer we're kind of going, okay, we understand the squad size, we need to get rid of you know some non-homegrown players, we've got Rishi Kiri. It just felt like a chance to kind of capitalise on on the market, as it as it were. You know, the right person might not have been there, and it gets self-sustaining, but it just felt like maybe there was an opportunity to take a gamble in the market. I don't mean a gamble on, on a player, and it's just, just spending money for the sake of spending it, but like 
people's fears are before behind and you see Chelsea spend 90 odd million pounds on yeah. whatever else but, we shouldn't really look at other, other clubs because they're not really our issue but they are at the same time if they're, if they're competing with us in the league I agree with everything you said and I, I can see both sides of the argument but it just felt like maybe you need to go and take that extra gamble just to make sure that we, we are there we are at the top but the, the, the problem with that from the Swiss Ramble thread as I see it is that Liverpool are so reliant on player sales and the player sales is what didn't yeah, come yeah. in this time around yeah. which left them almost handcuffed yeah to, to, they're not, they've not got the money because the player sales weren't there and that's what they've been using to that, fund their transfers. That was my 100% my takeaway. That was my big, I mean, you read all through that and there's, there's a lot of like quite heavy technical jargon towards the back end of it. But what is 100% clear, and it's not news, This is we have known this. Sell it's to just, buy. Sell to buy. And now sell to buy means something different to different people because it could be done sell to buy or it could be sell to buy. And like, you know, and, and look, most of us are living a sell to buy world and people who live within the means and don't have, you know, aren't in debt are in that sell to buy world and that is again that's called sustainability. That is, you know, you buy you buy things on and buy things in and you move them on and you you spend that money on getting your next on your next things. And ideally if you do it right, you buy low, you sell high and you make money to improve to improve what you're doing as you go along. It's the market of go and buy your fit buy your starter house get to a point, get get a few years, build up some some capital in that, then move to another house and so on and so on and so on to the point where you've, you can you can constantly upgrade what you're doing. No shock. And I think your point is spot, is spot on there because well, we all knew this. And it's worth pointing out, by the way, it's 10 years of accounting covered. It only covers the back end of the title winning season. So it's got a little bit of, it's got that 10 game lockdown or nine game, whatever it was for us period there with no fans in stadium where there was a revenue drop but it doesn't count an entire year lost so whereas Liverpool made 61 million pound profit over 10 years I think if you then added that if you if you even move that forward a year to 10 years including last year or you did the full 11 Could years have been 100 million lost exactly it's going to be a lot it's going to be a lot less than that and this, the, the player sales thing is, is absolutely absolutely key to that and why, why wouldn't it be we drive a shrewd bargain and we always have done where Liverpool haven't got, why Liverpool haven't got tons of cash and tons of money to spend is because we haven't sold a big player in the last four years. We haven't sold a big player since Coutinho. We haven't for anyone for really, really juicy money. And I'm not expecting us to sell 140 million pound players all the time. But I think that's as much of a part of our business model. So what have we done instead? We've doubled down on wages instead. We've just tied those guys down to new contracts rather because we can't sell them. We're going to give them a new contract. And then that adds money to your operating costs, which means that you, you, the money you've got to spend is less. And I, you can be, I can be angry about that, or I could not be angry about that. I'd be angry about that if it meant Liverpool were in loads of debt and we were having to throw players out the window and cancel contracts and stuff to balance books. It is, it is what every owner in the league should be if Man City and Chelsea didn't exist. Like, my, my United are, 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 are their own case because they're completely different than what they did in the 90s or whatever. But, like, everyone's get angry and going, and I've just done it myself. I've pointed at Chelsea and, and Man City going, well, well, they can do that. Yeah. We, shouldn't, we shouldn't live in a world where those those kind of clubs exist in, in the Premier League because it's not a sort of fair market, is it? And you can ask for different owners and ask for, you know, if people want people like their owners to come in and that, that, that's fine. We have this conversation with Toffee TV and it's dead funny because they are all like the evil, the evil, the evil red, the evil red shite and now they're ruining it and how, you know, and they talk about that, they, but they go on about like the ladder's been pulled up, FFP pulled the ladder up on Everton because Everton have got enough money to go and compete with everyone in the world because they've got billionaire owners but because of FFP they can't spend that but then they're like, well, we wanted to change and it's like, 
you so you want to be able to freely spend everything. Well, so you want you actually want the world the want football landscape to, to be worse. Yeah. For you just you, you just want to be part of the elite is, is is the argument with that. You know, there's no honor honor behind their, their desire for that. And again, cool. I'm sure you know. I, I've been. I'm sure we'd all like to be in that world. Really, if we didn't want to scratch beneath the surface, really all we do, all we want is our team to be able to be competitive every year. I mean, they have been in recent years, certainly. The fears are whether that's sustainable in a world where Man City, PSG um, and Chelsea exist. And no one really knows that. It doesn't look... That's, what I'm seeing, Chris, is a lot of that, is people saying, well, the solution is, is the FSG. We need we need rich owners if we want to carry on down that route. And I guess that does kind of make sense. Or we need they need to engineer a way where they can put more money into the club. Um, or we've got to trust that the process will continue to work, which it might not. <clears throat> It's going to be difficult for them, certainly, um, especially with Klopp's contract coming up in a couple of years' time and all that type of stuff. You know, for me, FSG got an absolute steal when they bought Liverpool Football Club for the amount that they bought Liverpool Football Club, and it wouldn't surprise me if they sold for three billion and turned two and a half billion pound profit mm-hmm. on on the sale of Liverpool, and that's what they are. I make no mistake about it; they are businessmen. I don't think that you know Manchester City, your PSGs, your Chelsea are businessmen in the same sphere, anywhere near as FSG. It's a party piece. There's reasons why Manchester City might be bought by owners who they've been bought by the you know sport washing and all that type of stuff. Um, Abramovich is just a party thing. It's just something. But he's actually built quite a good model there with Chelsea, mm-hmm. one that you can look at in the in the accounts that the Swiss Ramblers shared and gone, wow, okay, well they're miles better at us than players. So they've been hoovering up young talent for years and years and selling them on for ridiculous fees. So in some ways, there's something where he's actually he's actually done it really well and he's still managing to invest. I think that's you sort of sort of want an in between, don't you? You want someone with hundred billion quid who kind of likes footy, kind of loves Liverpool Football Club and wants Liverpool to be the best in the world, not for anything but trophies. Yeah. That's what you want them yeah. to be. You just yeah. want them to want trophies, not money. We Unfortunately, we've got owners who need to make a, ba- a profit on this investment. We want a bil- we want billionaire. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
scouser. <laughs> Effectively, you know what I mean? You know, someone who's got a deep passion for the club. But of course, the problem with that is that it doesn't always work quite well that way because... I mean, it's not quite this, of course, but like the Barcelona model, and this isn't that. But when you lead to a world where you've you've got an individual who can who can is susceptible to pandering or feels the pressure more more acutely from fans, it works both ways. So you can help keep them on the straight and narrow. But Barcelona have just been chasing the tails, trying to play play the PSG game. And, and trying to compete with Real Madrid. I don't think that's what Liverpool top. fans are asking for. No, not, not, not to that extent. It's like 145 million Coutinho, Dembele, Griezmann. Like they just have to get Griezmann back because they, they've messed it up so much. No, no, no. But the, but the point, and I, I, yeah. But what, what I mean is, is that if we th- if we could, if we had an owner who was susceptible to that and who had the financial financial clout to do that, you could quite easily end up in a situation where you're just throwing, yeah. throwing money at people. Because let's, let's be honest, put any one of us in charge of Liverpool, like, we'd all do it. We all want to do it. But would we be necessarily be right for doing it? And it's, it's my money. I'll go on, I will go and spend, spend... I mean, again, let's look at the Everton situation. Look at They had loads of money, and what did they do with it? They absolutely wasted it on all kinds of fucking shite because they didn't get the right people in. Yeah. in, in and that's in, the in, that's in the sort of crux of it for me, isn't it? I mean, look at Barcelona and Real Madrid. Never mind Everton. They've had loads of money for loads of years, and being well run is more important than having loads of money. Now you can be well run and you can have loads of money, which is something that City have proven possible. Because they are. They've, yeah. they've done it for the best part of a decade now. Yeah. They've been right at the top of the tree every single year. They've invested wisely. They've got the best ma- one of the best managers in the world. They've got some of the best players in the world. Um, and they've got some of the behind the scenes absolutely spot on. Liverpool are still investing in that side of things. They're still investing in Kirby. We're not seeing the benefits of Kirby in the first team yet, um, which we will see borne out over the next few years and stuff. But unfortunately, you need patience. And it's one thing that football fans, myself included, don't no, have no one has it. And, the, and the transfer window exacerbates that massively so it does and, and you're right the existence of Man City and Chelsea because I did a video yesterday um, on the channel where I compared the squad from the start of the Champions League winning season to this so rewind the clock three years stack the two squads side by side and just look to see where Liverpool are at and actually in terms of squad depth Liverpool are, f- are literally like four whole players we've got four more available footballers in that squad than the squad that got 97 points and won the Champions League so like you know it, it, there's, a, there's a context to everything that we sort of look at but of course you can't when all the all the, the conversation around it was well, what about what City have done what about what Chelsea have done and it's 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 very hard because it you should be able to compare and you can in some regards but also you, you, it's just people's you, fears you isn't it of being, being caught up and you know kind of dropping points and again we said loads of what happened last season of I think people still think that that's going to happen again. You, know, you mentioned Kirby there. We've not seen the benefit of it because he's not got injured in it at <laughs> some stage. Some stage last season, so people going like, I think we all wanted a defender last year when Lovren went, and we didn't do that. And now it's, we haven't got a midfielder, and people's concerns just being, you know, you said it then, exacerbated by what happened last season. And going, well, well, Man United have just bought Rafa Varane, Ronaldo, and and Sancho. Christ, if we lose two players, are we then far behind them? I don't think it works like that. You know what I've got no time for though is this like. Oh, I just wanted a thirty million pound player. Who wants fucking that boring to that? <laughs> I'd rather, I'd ra- I, I, I can't. I, I, it bores me. This whole like, I'd rather people fucking kick off that we're not playing Mbappe because at least it's something. You know what I mean? It's like it's like. Oh, I didn't, we didn't, I'm not saying we wanted Mbappe. I'm saying we want we wanted to go and buy a thirty million pound striker. It's like no. 
let's let's say we want let's let's go for it. I'd be all in or not because it, it's like having a, it's like having a fucking weak handshake. You know what I mean? Or or, or like playing playing snooker with a rope. It's like if you're gonna do it, go for it. At least it's exciting. Liverpool don't need more another average footballer it's not going to make any real difference significant difference to this squad Liverpool need to be in the market for the best players and the point is is that there's a we said this the other week there's only a handful of them on the planet and I don't know whether Liverpool are genuinely actually in the market for these footballers or not because the PSG's cities and Chelsea's might have inflated to the market to the point where we can't compete with this current model but I also see this world where how Liverpool have conducted themselves in recent times. We didn't buy a centre half last summer, which was a gamble. We then didn't buy we didn't we didn't buy Canati in January because we couldn't buy Canati in January. But they wanted Canati, so they waited till yeah. the summer to get Canati. We did that with Virgil van Dijk. We could have bought a centre half, but they knew who they wanted, so they waited. And that's very difficult. And we've it's easy for us to sit back now, but we've been doing this analysing this shit for fucking over a decade now and we have these arguments every transfer window about what Liverpool didn't do but what Liverpool have started to do in the last five years is get it right over a longer period but you don't notice it because it's not as sudden and it's not as dramatic but the the plan the plan being in place is all culminated to this like you don't notice your kids growing until you take a week you, like, you go away for a few days and you come back and like Jesus Christ you've grown an inch how did that happen you don't notice your hair growing that's what Liverpool are like it's not dramatic it's like watching paint dry at some points it's not like someone comes in with a big paint book and throws it at a wall and you go oh wow I think that's the problem though. I think that's what the FSG out uh, sort of one isn't it it's like they think like watching Liverpool is like watching paint dry at times Liverpool <laughs> business is the, Liverpool, the business of Liverpool is it's dead boring like, well, but you say you don't want a £30 million player right let me just extend that to £40 million, right we've got all of our four strikers for under £40 million quid yeah, yeah, yeah. so What's better, spending a hundred million or, or or buying the right oh, player? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the money doesn't matter at yeah. that point. Andy Robertson, eight million quid. Yeah. Like Virgil Van Dijk, seventy-five. It doesn't matter if it's the right player. It's true. It's true. The only, the only. I'm, I'm being careless. The, the point is that where where Liverpool are at now. It's that that the chances of that being the right sign and get slimmer the better you get because you haven't got that. You're not building anymore. Liverpool can can afford to blood Andy Robertson in because they're a top four contending side. They're not a league challenging side. Once you're at that pinnacle, you've got to swap your best parts out for other be- other boss parts. The car- so it let's, and Salah's massive to this, by the way. We're going to do a bit of Salah contract talk on the Reds News Roundup show tomorrow because the reports he wants half a million and that's, a, that's ridiculous money for where up for where Liverpool's wage structure's at, but is it? But the point is, Salah's huge in this because if you lose Mohamed Salah, you're losing 30 goals a season. And you don't, and you can take a gamble. You could go and buy a, another Jota, and that might work perfectly. And laughing, and Jota kind of disproves this to some extent. But really, what you need to go out and do is go out and spend a hundred million pounds on someone who's going to go and bring you thirty goals, or as close to damned guaranteed as you can do that. And we've never really had to do that yet because it's all been the build. But never had the, to sustain, the, the, point, the point I'm trying to make about it being the right player and the price not mattering is that Liverpool have done that. Mm. Liverpool have already done that with Virgil van Dijk and found a guy where yeah. in an era of buying a that lad for three and a half million, um, Joe Gomez, and buying you know Andy Robertson for eight million quid, and they've still gone out and gone, these are the holes that we need to fix and spend 65 million on Alisson or whatever, or 75 million on Virgil van Dijk. It's just that we haven't had to replace anybody in the forward spaces yet. Yeah. So, and, and the business model would suggest they're okay to do that. 
if the funding is right behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's the major concern now, because what you're saying is absolutely spot on. Going back to the Swiss Ramble stuff, if we've lost over a hundred million over the ten year period, that doesn't put us in a good position to go and spend a hundred million. Now, if you'd have followed the curve forwards and taken the pandemic out, we might have overtaken Manchester United in revenues last season. Um, you don't know what the crowds being in there and everything sliding doors, all that type of stuff. Of course, with Liverpool could have been in the market, but. Yeah. They've gone like that to get there, and unfortunately, they've had the legs taken off them with the pandemic, as a lot of football clubs have. But a lot of football clubs have reacted in different ways. Yeah. Well, the way, the way Liverpool have done it, and it's mentioned, this is where it starts to get into the slightly complicated nitty gritty, and it starts to border on my on my grasp of it all. But when you, I, I know people literally, nothing makes anyone drier than talking about player amortisation. But the point is, at Liverpool, I've got less cash reserves because the you buy something. So the way it's done, you buy, you buy Mohamed Salah for thirty five million pounds, you break that. Contract down over the you break that value down over the length of his contract. If you then sell him halfway through that contract, you actually for the same amount that you bought him for, you actually make a fifty percent profit on him because the, that player's lost the value in your books. And that's where Liverpool by not selling anyone and replacing them with those new players means that the value of Liverpool's assets has dropped because those players become less valuable over time. But you replenish that by selling Mohamed Salah. At a huge, not only do you get a huge profit, but you get a brand new shiny asset for whatever you paid for them. And that means that your club's more—you've got more liquidity, and you've got—you've technically got more more cash in in the books, and that's where Liverpool look worse than some other football clubs. But it is because it's, it's all built on on by, on buying and selling and replenishing, and they've just not done that. And again, it's not sexy, but this is them reacting to it, and that's for good or for ill. That doesn't change. That's not going to make anyone go, "Well, that's fine. I'm happy with the ownership now," or "Oh no, I'm, I should turn against the ownership." It, it it just kind of backs wherever you're at, really. But to the point, what happens in the next two years is going to be massive. And the problem is, right now, is as people starting to gear up. And I, I, I would contend, and people don't believe this, who are in this camp, but it's a very, very small but very vocal minority of Liverpool fans. And it feels bigger online because most of the sensible people have gotten so tired of the noise that they just got off from the conversation. But they might. This is probably. This might be a good time to try and grab it and nip it in the bud because we won't know for two or three years whether this was it was a bad move or not because that's the way that Liverpool move we could be sitting here in two or three years with another league title and another Champions League or more than that but we could equally be back in a mire where we're just battling for top four because we haven't been able to we haven't had the cash reserves to refresh the squad the way it was needed yeah. which I understand to your point it's fears yeah. it's just for me it's not enough reason to go to the barricades because Again, for me, I think the squad's better than it was three years ago when we went on our best run in the Premier League era. So that's hard. I can't unpick that from my feelings. No, I, I did the concern, which is, it is, isn't really a conversation for now, but it's being had online. Is we're talking about the sustainability of, of the model that we've got. And you mentioned there players like Andy Robertson. You know how much we bought them for and what we made them into. What happens after Jurgen Klopp? What happens is, after is, Jürgen Klopp? Is that, is that model sustainable? Can you bring someone else in who can get the best well, out of those I've got players? an interesting comment here on that. Actually, Ashley Frith, who's been a uh, Wonderkid member for 15 months. Well done, Ashley. Wow. Um, love to all at Redmen. What worries me is if we change our model, do Liverpool lose their soul? Uh, I don't want us to turn like City and lose who we are. Well, that's, a, that, you know, that's an interesting point in terms of the, in terms of the model and, and what we do moving forward. Um, it's, a, it's, 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 I think you can, we can do our own heads in with this stuff to some degree, can't yeah. we? You know, you yeah. can get lost in the what. What's the worst case scenario, and what happens if we don't do 
X, Y, and Z. The answer probably is, and to the point about losing the soul, what did Man United do when they lost Ferguson? Well, they tried to they tried to replace him in spirit by having his nominated heir and David Moyes. No, no, but but like he was hand chosen by the man by Alex Ferguson himself, which gave him time, and they gave him that seven year contract or whatever it was as well, so that Man United, who that's like let's stabilise, we're not going to be changing the manager every year, and then they completely lost their heads and changed the manager within a year. But what have they done since then? They've thrown money at the problem. They've spent and they've spent and they've spent to maintain the illusion of still being. At the pinnacle of footy, when in reality they've been, even though they've had a couple of second place finishes, they've been nowhere near the league title. They've been nowhere near the Champions League, um, and they've won a couple of, they won the Europa League and they won the League Cup or whatever in that time. But that's what Liverpool might need to do when Klopp goes: is have a bank of dough there to make up for the shortfall in the absence of Jurgen Klopp. Because if it's Pep Linders, does he carry the same level yeah. of authority? No, but if you then go out and spend a hundred and something million pounds on one of the best footballers on the planet, then the the perception remains I, the same. I, I'd definitely much rather give Klopp the money to spend than keep <laughs> something in the bank for someone new. Yeah. Like yeah. and let him pick the fellas yeah, because because yeah, yeah. you know, he's done it before. Yeah. Um so that's certainly something that I'd I'd have umbrage with if we had a, a pot of money for the next guy. But you know what? I think it might I think it will be. Someone like a Pep Linders, I can't imagine it's going to be Steven Gerrard unless he absolutely just kills it for the next couple of years. Um, his next move is going to be massive, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the succession plan's big, and we want to go. I want to go back to the boot room in some ways. You know what I mean? And I like Linders, and I like the way he talks for the for the games that he's been in control of press conferences for and stuff like that. But the big concern is, can you do it as a manager? Yeah. Because we've seen number twos who can't. Yeah. Uh, they, they might be the best number twos in the world, but they're just not management material, and you don't know until you know. He's there's a, there's a yeah there's a something there. What James Milner does next is an, is it be an interesting watch as well because I, I said this the other day. He's got pure Ronnie Moran vibes for me. I could see James Milner having his own like you know his own part of the AXA training centre named after him by the time he dies because you can see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see him barking, barking orders of people for that time, but. Um, Adam Canu with the uh, Australian dollar ten dollar super chat. Thank you, Adam. Uh, club has been very has run very sustainable since FSG. They're not perfect, but as Craig always says, there's a lot worse out there. I don't know who Craig is, but that's cool. Um, I like winning while earning it by smart transfers and great coaching. Same, same as that. I, and I've also seen people saying like FSG, some saying FSG have turned us all into accountants. Um, and again, this is the put the point is. They've turned us into accountants because we've on this platform, and I feel I feel a degree of responsibility to talk around the wider issues rather than just be like it's all shit and say because there are loads of outlets and there are Liverpool outlets who just flow with whatever the general course of the feeling emotion is, and that's cool. And we do a bit of that too, absolutely. It shouldn't have turned the average fan in because you should you shouldn't give a shit about this. You should all you should care about is that Liverpool have got a good team on the pitch and win football matches, and that goes. And, oh, and be I, careful saying that, Paul. Be careful saying that. I got absolutely hounded over the weekend for saying something yeah, similar to but, that. But the point, yeah, well, fair enough. Did he not take the context of the whole conversation, Chris? I, I don't know. I saw a video of me and I didn't read anything, but I uh, assume I was getting hounded. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. but the, well, that's the point. Is it shouldn't matter because when when you've got if you're delivering success on the pitch, everything else is just background noise. And again, it's loud at the moment because it's done footy. And, uh, and and because we've been conditioned to think the transfer window's a big thing, you know, like 
I think people wanted us to win the transfer market, and I, t- we're two years on from me making a, 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 a making a big joke video about that. Like we laughed, oh, winning the transfer market's not a thing. Well, it's now it is a thing. It's become a thing by just people saying it often enough. We're what two years, three years from Ped and Baz from Toffee TV going on Sky Sports News and saying that Everton won the transfer market, transfer window. How did that work out for them? But if you look at what, what Arsenal have spent. Arsenal have won it, but look at who they've bought with the money no, exactly. they had, and they haven't. It's fucking yeah. not, it's noise and nonsense, and I, I get it. You know, the problem is, is like, it's like you're running a race, and you might be the best, you might be the best athlete in the world, but all of a sudden, new other people come along, and you can't stop other people catching you up. There comes a point where, and there's only so maybe, and the problem is, I wonder if Liverpool are just at the limits. We've been making this point for a few weeks, haven't we, Chris? That, but to carry the analogy, there's there's only so fast a human being can run. There's a there's a point at which there's a there's limits of what someone can do, and there's a there's a case that Liverpool might be able to get to do a bit more, but it's not significant. It's not there's not loads more Liverpool can do to get better because to the point they've improved the squad. They've improved on the squad. They've got ninety-seven points, won a Champions League, then got ninety-nine points. So, but the fear is, is there's people breathing down the back of your necks, tearing up behind you. There's nothing we can do about that. No. Really, you've just got to go out and win football games, and that, that, that and that will stop the noise. And that's what that's where it's born out. Like, look for me, and I've said this so many times now. Footy is what I enjoy. Yeah. The football is what I enjoy. I don't enjoy the transfer markets. I, I don't. I don't think you. You can improve your team, of course, but the manager's more important mm-hmm. for improving your sides. You can have a really great coach. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Mikel Arteta is a really good coach because Pep Guardiola spoke about him as one of the best coaches he's ever worked with. But if you can't translate your ideas to your football team, which mm-hmm. is the the rumours are. That Arsenal players, even in training, can't understand what Arteta wants. Yeah. And having watched Arsenal play, that looks to be the truth. Yeah. You can be one of the best coaches in the world, but if you can't get your ideas across, it's fucking irrelevant. You can have the best ideas in the world, if you can't get your ideas across, it's irrelevant. And you can players. buy the best players yeah. in the world, but if you can't get them to fit into your system, look at Pogba. Still doesn't really fit into Manchester United's system. Clearly one of the best footballers in the world. You've got to, everything's got to be right, yeah. not just one portion yeah, of it. Exactly. And Liverpool have got the transfer market for the the most part right over the last five years and they've got the team right and they've got the players right and they've won trophies in those five years and yes I would like Liverpool to spend more money yes I would like Haaland and Mbappe playing at Liverpool but it's not going to stop me enjoying watching my team play football it's, it's not going to stop me supporting them either it's just with there's this again it comes back to fear there's a fear that Liverpool go back to the, this long wait for more for more silverware and the thing is that exists everywhere by the way because Manchester I gave you another point Manchester City you've got more money than anyone and they've got the best manager in the world, and they can they can afford to spend fifty million pounds on a fullback and then bin him off the next summer because he's not he's not worked, and yet they haven't won a Champions League, and Liverpool have have Liverpool have been to twice as many as twice as many European finals and won won a Champions League, which they haven't. Liverpool beat them to the title. In that, so it's you know what I mean. Even when you've got all that, it's not a it's not a guarantee. And of course, Man City fans are more miserable than they're like Evertonians, but with with money. I saw a thread of tweets that someone had put out saying he was a Manchester City fan who gathered a load of uh, Man City fans that were moaning about their transfer market and how much money they spent in the past couple of years. And yeah. fucking hell, yeah. if they're moaning, got no chance. Everyone is. Yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. moaning about something. Look at Manchester United. They've bought some boss players, but the everyone's still whinging about the DM. Yeah. Because of things like talk sport and and again and a lot of these neutral. 
supposedly, I talk about this all the time, like these neutral social media accounts. The, what happened was, and this is why Twitter's more unbearable than it was 10 years ago, is because lots of sociopaths who understand the analytics of how you make tweets bank and therefore how you can make money out of it started take, creating and taking over social big social media accounts. So now you've got like, Accumulated account trying to banter, try, trying to banter fan, banter fans, and it just makes your life all a bit more miserable. But it adds a little more pressure to everything you're doing. And then again, you've got Talksport who are hiring these these ex-player biffs who come on and they know what they're doing and they know what they've got to say because they know if they say something a bit controversial, it gets spread. So you spend your whole time with just looking at fires, <laughs> you know what I mean, and either deciding to put your hand into them or avoiding them. And either way, it's causing a reaction in you, which all adds to this, exacerbates this feeling that something wrong is happening. There's not a football club in the world who wouldn't be happy with where Liverpool are at. There's 99% of football f- clubs on the planet who would give anything to be in the situation that Liverpool are in. And But we're dead jealous, or some of us are dead jealous, because... There's a couple there who have got a bit more financial clout. And it's nothing wrong with wanting more for Liverpool. We should always want the best for Liverpool. But it's I just it just feels like too much. I get it. I get it. I, I'm again when Liverpool when Liverpool are competitive, they've got some of the best players in the world. We've never had we've never been in the world where we've had this many world class players in the team. Ever. Ever. We've at best had two or three in some of the best teams we've had. 2005, Gerard Alonso wasn't world class at that point, but he was on the way on the way to being it. Maybe hippier. I've said yeah. I said this last week, Paul. It's a good problem that we've got at the moment. Yeah. Is we're now keeping our world class players through the prime of the year. Yeah. And, and we, we, five years ago, we stopped selling our world class players. Yeah. Now it's we've kept them through, and they're too old. <laughs> Quite like you both. <laughs> Five years ago, you wanted us to keep them. Now we're keeping them, and and most importantly, the players want to stay yeah. because yeah. they believe that they can win things. Do you think Salah would be here if he didn't think that he could win the biggest trophies at Liverpool Football Club? That's why there's a reason why Coutinho, Sterling, and Torres in particular, and even bloody Emery Chan, Suarez, had, uh, Suarez, yeah, definitely. All at the, Michael Owen had a bit of that as well. Gerard nearly all had their heads turned. Because Liverpool couldn't guarantee it, and now we've built it, and now we can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee competitiveness. And if that's enough for the best players on the planet, why is it not enough for fans? More. More? Connor S um, says, we might compete with City and Chelsea on the table, um, but they aren't owned for the same reasons as us, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly the point that we were were saying there. It's... um, it's mad. It's just one of those. one of those things. Not wrong. And again, just to clarify, no one here doesn't want more. No one here. No one here wants it to go back to what it was like. But also, there's a degree to which I think there's a there's a collection of of, of some supporters who actually didn't live through the thirty year wait. So I mean, and let's be honest, it was sound. <laughs> you know, I, I know we like I, I, we, I, I much prefer this now, and that's uh, so I've got that point of comparison. It's well better now than it's ever been. It's the best Liverpool side has been in the Premier League era. It is, and this is the best time to be a Liverpool fan. It turns all the things around it, go in the game, best atmospheres. We've got the best atmosphere consistently that we've ever had, ever. And people go back to the 80s, ask anyone who went in the 80s, it was shite, and it was dangerous, and it smelled like piss. Um, and, and now it doesn't, less so, certainly. <laughs> uh, all, all, all good things, we've got all that things going for us, it's fucking brilliant, everything around it's great. Um, uh, yeah, it, look, it is. I said this before. And it's, these aren't mutually exclusive things because you, you can't technically, because the owners exist 
out there, you could have Man City's owners and you'd still have our culture and all that kind of stuff. So that but that perfection does sort of exist. But Man City are have got so there's so many of the things that make us special, they don't have. And they would give anything for. Look at their coach greetings, for God's sake. Smattering of applause as people get off the coach and announce a shout the names, trying to gauge some inches. As to quote Stephen Tries, putting baby blue toilet roll down the stands to try and look like they've got some sort of deep European history with the TFOs and all that. Chelsea and the Plastic Flags. They've got a kind of ugly statue outside as well, haven't they? Yeah, they've got the kind of ugly statue. They've got that uh, freezer from Dragon Ball Z statue out there, which looks really good as well. You know, good on on. No, but again, they're developing history. Great. That's fine. I've got no problem with them doing that. That's that's absolutely fine. Chelsea the same. That's why that, you've got, ain't got no history tongue. I really like the fuck off Chelsea FC part, but the you ain't got no history bit's done now because they've got European cups and they've won loads of leagues. So like, so let's find something new. But we're 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 fine. I just yeah. It's the conversation thing, isn't it? And like, this is what's good. Like you said, we used to have a chat, but like, no one wants to engage on on social media anymore. And you can't have that debate that well, we, we, we we've just had because you can't because it doesn't exist on two hundred eighty characters. Yeah, you know, if you want to find some, somewhere to have a debate, go into the comment sections of, you know, Redmen TV and talk about talk about this stuff. Go into the comment sections here. It's not a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like it might be live, and a lot of people are really good at having the conversation live, but it's not in the same way that Red all over the land was. Yeah. Um, and even Ro- then, it's impossible. Rock, rock, yeah. sorry, rock, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's impossible to carry tone in, in text conversations as well anyways and so you might think someone's dead angry and they're not and then you you then riled them up by having a go at them and then you left it and then you sat at home and was that it where we've put a tweet out and you've, you've bitten at something and then you sit there on edge waiting for the response and planning what they might say and blah 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 it's just fucking exhausting it's easy just to have a chat with people in, in real life and that means getting out to your local supporters clubs as well but you know and chatting to people face to face like genuinely, like I, I remember asking you this a, co- a couple of months ago, and I'll ask anyone who's watching now: Why did you put a tweet out? If you can t- just answer me that, something to do. Is it literally just to force your opinion on somebody else? Interaction. And a lot of people, and a few There's people might say to. interaction, but it's honestly, it's a bit like. Why I don't know. I, I've actually really struggled with why I tweet. I I found, and again, this is just. This is just for me, but the amount of times I've gone to tweet something and then I've deleted it and put my phone down for five minutes and then not thought about it. And, and it's an interest it's an interesting model to see whether you're asked enough. And again, I say this because it's become uh, there's a, and there's a culture now. We said this we've done done this for eleven, this is our twelfth year now. It existed differently back then. And I, I did a vid, I did a video on my channel. I was like, how old are how old are people how old are the viewers? How old were people when we started on YouTube? And there were people saying I was like six and seven and eight. Is that people there's people now who've grown up with Twitter and it's part of their daily culture, whereas we remember it not existing. So I can happily not use it. But there's people for whom you go on and it's it it demands something you feel as though you feel obligated to put something out there but no one ever feels obligated to go back and prune the, the bad opinions or the, unless you get called on it sometimes mm-hmm. um to prune or, or to go oh i was a bit angry there actually i'll just delete that and then that feeds the cycle and over and over and over again and again that's my point is that i had this i did the red sea podcast on deadline day and i got the generalized sense that there's just this feat a lot of people have just been egging each other up but if you're not in the room where that's happening 
it's not it's not a real thing it's but if you if you if you just live your life on in the online liverpool world it feels horrendous but it's actually not it does it's not it doesn't feel that bad we've had this conversation we don't feel it it's like a, it's like a a, a sort of nuclear device being open. It's like you get radioactively poisoned by opening the social media accounts. But when we're just talking around it and having conversations and I say chance people in the co-op about the footy, never oh you at the it never feels anywhere near that bad. And some people will go again, it's cognitive dissonance. People will treat that. They they, they presume rather than go, oh, oh well maybe I've maybe I've judged this wrong. They'll go, oh no, they must be wrong. It must be top reds, or it must be oh scousers are the problem, or it must be oh I go, go Chelsea fans call them go the games of like you know like because you go the game you're creating you're making these people seem wrong instead of actually changing trying to trying to analyze your own take on it and I'll be honest I've been doing it the other way I've been looking at the FSG out stuff and going have I missed a trick here and I I I, I understand it I understand every point made I just don't feel it I just doesn't doesn't. Doesn't again doesn't resonate me to pick up my pitchfork. It feels a bit much um, because we didn't have that well, energy in worse, situ- much worse situations. If Liverpool than this. were ninth in the league this season and there was no investment and there was none next season, oh, I'd be there. Mm-hmm. I'd be there. But the fact of the matter is this: we're three games into the season. Like we are nowhere near finding out what this Liverpool side is today. Yeah. We don't know the uh, what what the other sides are going to be like because look, I mean Chelsea have signed really well, but we beat them last season with half our players missing. Yeah. So when you bring them back in and you compare them to the signings, we should still be ahead of them. <laughs> the, the problem you know is, I mean? if Liverpool finish ninth this season, you get a bunch of a told so, and that's what Twitter's turned into. Yeah, it's turned which is into, fine. It's turned I was wrong. Into, no, yeah. but, it, but it's turned into point scoring. And it doesn't matter exactly. though. It doesn't yeah. matter to yeah. me yeah. whether somebody called it earlier because I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. But what were you going to do? What 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 changes that? And I said this the other week. I said, you know, if, if you want to protest, protest. We'll cover it. I'm not going to not cover it. We've covered we've covered all the major events. We when the mainstream media weren't covering the Hicks and Gillette, Gillette process, we were nobodies, and we were still there trying our best to, to shed light on it. And then someone said, but and then because there was this FSG out protest, it was just a generic blank thing. And then subsequently, there's been a meet at the Arkles or whatever, and and do it. People do it great. I'm I'm desperate to see and meet these people and speak to them and see their banners and flags and see what they can do. Because it's, I think we'll see. We've seen protests. I saw thousands of people march on Anfield to support Rafa Benitez when the rumours were that Hicks and Gillette were going to boot him. I think we played Porto maybe in the Champions League, and it was before that game. And I, I wasn't even at the at the match. I was watching the telly. I was watching the game on the telly. I drove to Anfield to go and be in that march, and then I drove back from Anfield to watch the match at home because I didn't have a ticket because I felt so passionately about that. If people feel passionate about that, people will turn up. And if judging by the reaction online, thousands will turn up, and then we'll see, and then we'll know whether it's a it's a big yeah. deal or not. I mean, I must admit, like there is. Oh, I've kind of lost my telephone. Okay, I've got a point. I'll see why you have a little uh, recovery. So Rowan S says, "I agree with you lads about FSG outlaw, but the majority aren't asking for Haaland or Mbappe. Just simpler, small signings to keep our squad competitive. Which, regardless of finances, we should do. And this is why I would point out: go and watch the video I did about has the squad been weakened yesterday? Because again, to point, I stacked our squad up player for player alongside the side that started eighteen nineteen, which is how they got ninety seven points and won the championship. Champions League, and then got 99 points the next year with with no with only Adrian and, and Elliot added to that, and 
we have the squad. Even the squad players are better now. You could, again, I make some. There's some debate over whether some players are in slight decline. There's some really strong cases that some players have gotten loads better. Trent being prime example, Robbo being better, Allison, Fabinho. You know, there's there's good examples of this. But in terms of this depth thing, Liverpool's depth at the time. So you might argue that our front three was better. Because they're a bit younger, Firmino just scored goals, uh, which is which is great going into that season. Um, but our, our first understudy to the attack, starting the eighteen nineteen season, anyone? Did Daniel Sturridge. Oh, Daniel, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, Daniel Sturridge was. was our first understudy, and no doubt over his actual ability. But he that was his last hurrah at Liverpool. We got a few games out of him. He starts PSG, scores, but we I think we got a, a, two or three goals out of him in that campaign. The first understudy for Liverpool's front three this season, Joe Jota, yeah. who scored 16 goals for us last season. The next understudy below that, now you could argue still Divock for Divock, and I would argue that Divock now is probably worse than the Divock we got that season, but Divock had spent a come into that season on loan at Wolfsburg. We didn't know whether he was good enough, and it wasn't until the back end of the season that we got those iconic goals out of him. So, yeah, look, I think Divock's miles past the best. Our other understudy for attack, Rian Brewster, who was injured for the entire season and got made two substitute appearances, Barcelona in the Champions League final. And our understudy, our replacement for Rian Brewster in that squad is Takumi Minamino. So don't tell me Liverpool haven't got strength in depth. You might not think Takumi Minamino is a worldie, or you might not think that you know that all these things. But we've definitely got more. We've definitely got more depth in that squad than we had and even again in terms of you might not think Nico Williams is brilliant but Nathaniel Klein was the understudy who on paper was brilliant but he was crocked he had a serious back injury and his career has never been the same since we got one good game out of him against Man United and then we loaned him out for the rest of the season and, haven't, and forgot he existed ever since there's it's I get it I get the point it's just there's a righteous fury that isn't backed up by I think I think there's been more thinking done on the opposite side because I think we're all going are we missing a trick here and so a lot of people have gone well I'm going to look into it I don't think there's enough looking into it gone in on the let's 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 set fire to everything and start again stuff and there is by the way I don't want to paint, tarnish everyone or paint with one brush but I'm seeing a lot of really basic statements that aren't borne out in reality my understanding of it I mean I've been saying for weeks Liverpool got a better squad now than they, they've had I think a lot of the players have improved, I kind of like what you're saying. But the really interesting disconnect for me is when I'm going the game, I'm not having these conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's not for shutting them down or anything like that. But I've gone the game the last two weeks with two different fellas. I've met up with probably four or five people each time for a pint before or during or something like that. And, these, and this... FSG out conversation doesn't exist where where I am, mm-hmm. and it's not been a thing. So I, I it's like, and I've, I'm like, I go, I go to the same veg shop every single week, and I chat to the fellow about footy, and I, and there's places that you go each and every week where someone will talk to me about footy. Normally the same guys, fella in the co-op down there, you know, met him on Monday or whatever it was, Friday, can't remember. And it's always, oh, should do more, shouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. But they're fucking good, aren't they? Yeah. And, and that's just almost the long and short of the conversation. Yeah. And I don't I don't know why. I think Cal Samson's the only one who's slightly more... Uh, go, I, I, I had a conversation with, with Cal last yeah. week. He made some really great points. Not enough to pull me over and make me think that, you know what, you're right. 
but certainly some points that I'd not considered before that I took away and thought about. And that's good. Mm -hmm. You need that sort of discourse with people to be able to get better. It's got to be a discourse though, hasn't it? And Neil Jones made this great point, is that the, the attitude of people who are uh, because there's a, again there's a small community and most of them got muted or blocked years ago for me because they've been they've been dicks for a long time it's how you conduct yourself and how you talk about things if you go if you start going around calling people out this is how we ended up with brexit because we started calling very reasonable people who voted for brexit for reasonable reasons um, we started calling them basically Nazis and we started calling them Tories and we started saying, call them and, and racists. When lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of them weren't, they had one or two key issues that was the reason why they went with that. But we lumped them in with that because ultimately they ended up lumped in with all of those people. Uh, and, and instead of having reason to discourse, everyone just rises up and becomes horrible with it instead of having a re- And this is what's happened with this FSG out thing is that you've got, it's being fronted by nasty individuals who may or may not be real or not they might some of them might just be doing it for a laugh they might be kids who are having a laugh on the lunch because we don't know because they're all all largely all faceless people who've got no proof of who they genuinely are there's a lot more people who are just the the moderates and people just here to have a laugh who have got faces to their accounts is what i've discovered if you've got a point don't be dickheads about it because it makes people turn off to it you're gonna get muted then what you have is them going oh people are blocking us because they don't want to have the debate we just don't want to get abused. People just people just want to have the conversation. We'll have the conversation all day long if people want to talk to us. I get stopped, to your point, I get stopped outside Anfield by dozens of people every time I go and have a, have a chat with people. If anyone wants to talk to me about stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll have the chat. But it, you've got to do it in the right way. So you protest and you protest in the right way and you have that conversation. Let's talk about it rationally. But it's, it, it, that leads to that rise of... And there's no such thing as FSG in us because nobody really gives a shit. But there is. I'm sure you can find hashtags to prove this, prove this, by the way. But in reality, no one really is that. But it leads to you, this, this moderate side coming up uh, who either go, look, it's fine. Or you're over egg how good it is. Again, Ozan Kabach. It's like, no, he's dead good. Is he though? You know, he's now playing he's for. He's not Norwich. as bad as what you think. Exactly. You but know, that's not going to win you over. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Exactly. That's it's just it's just it's just the narcissistic echo chamber of social media making it worse. And the thing for me, it's got all that. It's got this again. This small minority who are making it worse is all the hallmarks of the like COVID deniers. Somewhere, you, if you're a denier, if you're a COVID denier, you read, you heard someone's opinion, and went. That's for me, that. And you then, and then you blew it up from, you've been reading other people's things. And that's my point about this, is that there's this general feeling through social media about this stuff, which I'm not getting in the sense in the real world. I only get it when I peel back this curtain. I don't know where they're all getting it from and who they're reading. Who was the person who, who they thought was cool enough to do it? It's like people end up going to shops in their pyjamas. Someone did it once and went, yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of that. It's, I find it mad because it doesn't reflect... The real, life. the real world, yeah, mad. Um, DBS uh, with the seven ninety nine Australian dollars in the last few years tells us this squad has eighty five to ninety points in it. That's good enough for me to get excited. Yeah, I think that's a very reasonable point there. Um, and then uh, Khaled Hussein says, "Have you covered how much we pay?" Oh, I think agents. I think that's meant to be per season. Uh, no, but it's an interesting point that Liverpool pay more in agents fees than pretty much anyone in the is that what the massive other revenue uh, other uh, costs thing was yeah you know, wages and but again it's a part that's a part and part and parcel of how Liverpool operates they don't spend they they woo players 
and you woo players in a variety of ways. Sometimes you have to woo the agents to do it, and it's a bit bit of a murky way of doing things. But if it means you save money in transfer fees because you've managed to convince the player that they need to come to your club, it's very again, it's very Barcelona. Um, but again, Barcelona without us absolutely spunking uh, the money senselessly after uh, after it. But we might do that with the Salah contract now. Salah might be about to become our Messi, mm-hmm. and in five years' time. When he's well past his prime, we, and we are in an absolute financial hole, um, yeah, that will be. We'll all be wrong, won't it? Uh, right, I think we've done pretty well there, to be honest. Uh, MB Brown, uh, says, uh, who's been a member for two months as a first team, says mid long term planning has got us this far. You'll never walk alone. Yeah, I agree. I think that's we'll pretty, be pretty, that. pretty spot on. Uh, look, the footy returns. Hopefully, we can all get back to focusing on that and enjoying a really the best Liverpool side in any of our lifetimes. Um, that would be great, wouldn't it? Um, we have got a competition running uh, for you right now. We've got. A, I've been told it's complicated, and it is complicated sometimes. There's three tiers on of YouTube memberships, which are all fine, and you guys who are, are members over here are all great. But we do have the RedmanTV.com, which is our Liverpool streaming service. Um, there's two tiers on there, club captain and club legend. Club captain gets you access to the full wealth and breadth of the content that we make, documentaries, features. Uh, club legend gets you loads of extra bonus things like free merchandise uh, every month and discounts. There's going to be free tickets to live events, which are coming back very soon indeed, uh, and a whole host of other bonus fees. And you get a boss competition every month. This month, it is a signed Michael Owen Prince. And some people might go, Michael Owen, Cyber, but for a lot of people, Michael Owen was a very big deal for us. Um, so if you if you don't if you're not totally turned off by the idea of Michael Owen, if you're a club legend subscriber, you can get uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, you can enter into this competition. Uh, you forgot to say life size. It's like this is life size sign cut out of Michael Owen. Um, but yeah, you get that and a whole host of bonus things. More details on that will follow at the end of the podcast. But gentlemen, thank you very much. I think we've sorted that FSG problem out, right? No. I'll, no, go, I'll go back so. to Twitter now and tell you. Internet. Oh yeah, that's going to be horrendous. But yeah, if you want more, do check out the video I did, and I did another video on my on my channel talking about Liverpool's transfer policies and all that kind of stuff, which hopefully make you feel a bit better about it as well. It's got stats and spreadsheets, which is very much outside my wheelhouse, but that's why I think it's good. Uh, more podcast next week. Uh, more to come later in the week. Uh, see you all there. Ta-da. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.